This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. I'm preaching a series of messages on the end times. Now, you know, folks, it would be so neat if every message that we shared was always just a happy, clappy message. Amen? Just a happy, clappy, I call it. Just everything's wonderful and everything's great. But uh, the Bible says this. Paul said in Acts 20 and 27, he said, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. All the Bible's not happy, clappy. Amen? All the Bible's not happy, clappy, but it's the Word of God. I'm not smart enough to preach anything but the Bible, but I'm too smart to preach anything but the Bible. Amen? Last week we talked uh, about the rapture of the church. I remember one time I preached on the rapture of the church, and a man said to me after I preached it, he said, uh, I can't get that out of the Bible. I said, you're exactly right, brother. It's there to stay. Amen? It's there to stay. And the Bible is there to stay. It's the Word of God. The grass is going to wither. The flower is going to fade. But the Word of God shall stand forever. Do you ever think this? At our campuses, we've been singing praise to the Lord. And we should. We should honor His name. But do you realize this? God said, I magnify my Word even above my name. I magnify my word above my name. Years ago, there used to be a bumper sticker. It says, God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it. No, 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 no. If God said it, that settles it, whether we believe it or not. Amen? It's already settled. So I said all that to say, take your Bible to the book of Revelation. Can we do that? Book of Revelation, chapter 6. I want to call your attention to verses 1 through verse 3. Look what the Bible says. It says, And I saw when the Lamb, which is Jesus, the Lamb of glory, opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the voice, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. I want to take a few moments, and I want to talk to you about what's going to happen after Jesus comes back. What's going to happen after Jesus comes back? 41% of Americans, people just like you, say that they believe by the year 2050, Jesus Christ will be back. Perhaps. Maybe even before then. One out of every 30 verses in the Bible, for every 30 verses, one out of every 30 verses say, Jesus is coming. There's literally 27 New Testament books. 23 of those New Testament books say, Jesus is coming. There are 216 chapters in the New Testament. And out of the 216 chapters in the New Testament, 300 times it says Jesus is coming. For every one time in the Bible 
that the Bible prophesied that he was coming the first time. Eight times it says he's coming the second time. Now, we talked about the rapture of the church last week. When does the rapture take place, Pastor, in the Bible? Well, remember what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16, 17, and 18 says this. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But where does it happen in the book of Revelation? It happens in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Look what it says. After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. The door to heaven is going to be opened twice. It's opened here, and it opens when Jesus comes back for the battle of Armageddon. I'll deal with that in later messages. And the door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet. Remember? He's coming back with the trump of God. Talking with me and saying, come up hither. Watch the rapture of the church, the catching away of the saints. And I will show thee the things which must be hereafter. Always remember this, from Revelation 1, chapters 1, 2, and 3, the word church is mentioned 19 times. Once you get to Revelation 4, the word church is not mentioned till the church gets to heaven in Revelation 19, simply because, ladies and gentlemen, the church is not here during the tribulation period. He has not appointed his church to wrath. The best news I'll share with you today, if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, he hasn't promised you preservation. He's promised you evacuation. You're going to be gone. Amen? We're going to be with the Lord. Thank God. Always remember, every time, that God sent judgment. If you go back to the book of Genesis with Noah, God said, Noah, I'm not going to send one drop of rain to your family is in the ark of safety. If you go back to Lot, God said to Lot and his family, I'm not going to send fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah until you're in Zoar, a city of safety. I've got good news. God's got a city of safety for his church, for those that know him as their Savior. But here's the question. What about pastor? We're going to be gone. And what I try to do, this is just my opinion, I think an educator many times takes things that are simple and makes them complicated. But a communicator takes things that are complicated and makes them simple. And what I want you to do, I want you to understand today. I want you to understand. And I want you to understand because you're going to be blessed according to the Bible, because we studied this book. You're going to be blessed because you're studying it with me. So what's going to happen after the church is gone, Pastor?
during this period called the tribulation period. I want you to see four things. Number one, I want you to see the militant conquest. The militant conquest. Look what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 6. It says, and I saw, behold, a white horse. You said, well, now, Pastor, the white horse is, always represents Jesus. No, no. You've got to understand, according to Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, many times white is a counterfeit, and the devil will use white as a counterfeit. Now, we go back to the text. And I saw, behold, a white horse, and him that sat on it had a bow. Notice, folks. He had a bow. Jesus' weapon, according to Revelation 19 and 15, is a sword, the Word of God. The rider of this horse, he has a bow. But notice, he not only just has a bow, but he has no arrows. The message there is this man is not all-powerful. The rider of this horse is not Jesus Christ, the rider of this horse is the Antichrist. Because after the church has raptured out, there will be a man rise on the scene. I'll deal more with this. But he'll be from the revived Roman Empire. You say, Pastor, will he be a Jew? No. More than likely, he'll be from Luxembourg, France, Italy. He'll be from the revived Roman Empire. He will... Rise on the scene. Tell me about him, Pastor. Well, let me tell you a few quick things about him. I'll probably preach a complete message on him. Number one, he'll be an intellectual genius. According to Daniel 8 and 23, he'll be an intellectual genius. You know what that tells me? He's not in Washington, D.C. today. On either side, by the way. <laughs> He'll be an intellectual genius. Number two, he will have great speaking skills. Daniel 11 and 36. Number three, he will look buff. He'll look physically strong. Buff, bodybuilder. That tells me it can't be Donald Trump. Amen? All right. Number four, he will be a religious genius. A religious genius. Look what Revelation 13 and 8 says. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Accomplish something that Mohammed couldn't accomplish, Buddha couldn't accomplish, Confucius couldn't accomplish, but all the world will worship him. According to Daniel 9 and 27, look what it says. And he'll confirm the covenant with many for one week. The word week there is the Hebrew word heptod. It actually means seven years. It means seven years. It would be like our word decade is ten years. What he's going to do at the beginning of the tribulation period, he's going to sign a covenant with Israel to protect Israel from all their enemies. But if you read that verse three and a half years into that covenant, he'll break that covenant. 
See, what he's going to do, let me just explain the verse for you. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. Understand this. He's going to sign a covenant with them, and he will allow the Jews to return to Old Testament-style worship. They'll return to the temple, and they'll offer up their sacrifices to God like they did under the law. But after three and a half years, for the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. That is to say, after three and a half years, he'll say that style worship ceases, and I demand that only I be worshiped. There's going to be a militant conquest. But let me tell you what else there's going to be. There's going to be murderous conflicts. Look at the second horse. And there went out another horse that was red. When you see red in the Bible, that represents bloodshed. That represents war. There was a time that only America and the Soviet Union had the ability to have nuclear weapons. Now nine nations have nuclear weapons. Russia and Iran, Russia has worked with Iran to develop its nuclear program. The first nuclear power plant in Iran has been paid for by Russian dollars. That's why Russia always opposes sanctions upon Iran's nuclear program. And Iran has literally said that America is the great Satan and Israel is the little Satan. And Israel needs to be wiped off the face of the earth. Now, keep in mind, you can get that on CNN, USA Today, Fox Today. Now, I want to share something with you. Let's go back 2,600 years. Look what the Bible says in Ezekiel. Son of man, set thy face against Gog in the land of Magog, the chief. The word there, chief, is the Hebrew word rosh, R-O-S-H. It's the root word of Russia. Chief prince of Meshach, that's the Hebrew word for Moscow. And Tubal, which is a large city in Russia. So we know unequivocally we're dealing with Russia. Russia. Now jump down to verse 5. Persia. Who's Persia, Pastor? In 1935, Persia became Iran. So the Bible says they will be a 2,600 years ago, there will be a unification of Russia and Iran. But not only Russia and Iran, but Ethiopia, which is modern-day Sudan. Modern-day Sudan, who opposed us during the Iraq War and harbored Osama bin Laden from 1991 to 1996. And Libya, we remember Gaddafi, who despises Israel. With them, all of them, and the shield and helmet of Gomer, which is Turkey, and the house of Togomar, which is southern Turkey. Now get this down. 2,600 years ago, the Bible says these nations will attack Israel. And midway during the tribulation period, 
they will attack Israel. But you always remember, Israel always has been and always will be God's chosen people. Always has been, always will be God's chosen people. And those that bless Israel, God will bless. And those that curse Israel, God will curse. You say, Pastor, what does the Bible say is going to happen when these nations turn on Israel? God says, and I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part of thee. God said five-sixths of them, 82% of them will literally be destroyed and cause thee to come up from the north parts, and I will bring them up on the mountains of Israel. This is so amazing. If you just read that, that wouldn't mean much. The mountains of Israel, but you got to understand, up to 1967, Jordan controlled those mountains. But after the Six-Day War, June 5th through the 10th, Israel regained control of those mountains, but God said it was going to happen. So, Pastor, what will happen after that? It will be such a bloody battle. The Bible says in Ezekiel 39, 11, and 12, it will literally take seven months just to bury the dead. What's going to happen during the tribulation period? There'll be a militant conquest. There'll be murderous conflicts. But I want you to see something else. There'll be meager crops. There'll be meager crops. Look at the third horse in verse 5 and 6. He opened the third seal, and I heard the third beast say, Come and see a black horse. Now, what does black represent in the Bible? Lamentations 5 and 10, look what it says. It represents terrible famine. Terrible famine. Now, go back to the verse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand like he would ration out food. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny. In biblical times, the word for penny was a full day's wage. During the tribulation period, a man will work a full day for a quarter wheat. That's enough to provide one meal for him, not enough to provide for his family. Ladies and gentlemen, it will make the depression, which was a horrible time, a horrible time. 5,000 banks went out of business. Industrial production fell 45%. Suicide rates hit a record level. But this time will make the depression seem like a Sunday school picnic. Millions will starve to death. There's a fourth horse. It's manifold carnage. Look what the Bible says. And I looked and there was a pale horse. He was the death horse. And power was given him over a fourth part of the earth to kill with sword 
That means 25% of everybody that's here will die because of war. And with hunger and with death and the beast of the earth, millions starving to death, one-third of all the trees will be destroyed. All the grass will be destroyed. The animals will become more ferocious than they've ever been. I wish we'd all been ready. I wish we'd all been ready. I'm not real smart, folks, but I don't want to be here. You say, well, uh, the church I go to never talks about this. You need to find you another church. There's one other thing I want you to say. You say, well, pastor, if a person's here, what if a person's here? Well, let's look at the martyred Christians. Look what the Bible says. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and the testimony they held. You think a person can be saved during the tribulation? But yes. I think there will be people saved. But I'm convinced for the most part it will cost them their lives. How will they die, Pastor? Revelation 20 and 4 tells us they'll be beheaded. I'm a Christian. Accept the mark of the beast. No, no, no. So you're a Christian, accept the mark of the beast. You've got to accept the mark of the beast to buy and sell. I don't want to accept the mark of the beast. Place your head on this chop block. Place your head on this chop block. I wish we'd all been ready. This book, written by 40 different men, three different continents, three different languages, over a 1,500-year period, men who many times never knew one another, and as I was studying this week, I, I, I was thought about these points, the militant conquest, the murderous conflicts, the meager crops, the manifold carnage, the, the martyred Christians. And I thought, what about the chapter in the Bible that in the Gospels that deal with the end times? And I went to Matthew chapter 24, and I'm almost done. And many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. I thought, there's the militant conquest. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Be ye not troubled, for all these things shall come to pass. I thought, there's the murderous conflicts. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. I said, there's the meager crops and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. I said, there's the manifold carnage. And then verse 9, and they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you'll be hated for all nations' sakes. There's the martyred Christians. Why is this there? It's there because God is saying, you don't want to be here. 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 
And it's there because God is also saying, every family member and you for, and friend that you might have, you don't want them here either. You don't want them here either. See, this is where I'm at. One day I'm going to stand before God. Get my age, you don't know how close. But I'm not going to stand before God one day and God say to me, I called you to preach. Why didn't you tell them the truth? Why was you more consumed with building a crowd than you were with building a congregation? The people deserve to hear the truth. And why didn't you tell them the truth? I've told you the truth today, friend. I've told you that you don't want to be here during this time. Make reservations in advance not to be. Amen? Make reservations. You say, Pastor, how can I do that? I promise you. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then see, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.